0: Good morning. Today's passage comes out of Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. Devoted to Prayer, Contributing to the Needs of the Saints, Practicing Hospitality. Today I'm going to talk about the masks that we wear and and this is a story that fits very well with the church as well as this being the American holiday called Halloween. You know, Halloween is a time of the year that Christians cringe As Christians, we don't know really how to handle Halloween. We have fond memories of trick-or-treating as kids and dressing up each year or maybe parties with decorations, but something deep inside is telling us that we shouldn't be giving our attention to Halloween. We realize that at worst, it's the devil's holiday celebrating fear, horror, and death. And at best, it's a day to dress up like your favorite superhero and acquire lots of candy from strangers. I remember being at South Norfolk Baptist Church years ago when we had a sponsored family that came from Vietnam. They spoke very little English. And since I was looking out for them, and it was the end of October, I thought I would give them a heads up on what to expect on October 31. So here I am trying to explain scary costumes, little kids dressed up, the concept of trick-or-treating, and I likely messed up the whole encounter. I eventually just left a big bag of candy with the family and prayed really hard that they wouldn't regret coming to this crazy America and seeing this demonic activity that they would experience that evening. Now hindsight tells me I should have just asked them to turn their front porch light off that night. Well, today is Halloween, and a lot of kids of all ages are looking forward to the mischief they can get into tonight. One key factor for kids is that we get to wear a mask. I know, we're tired of wearing masks. It's a hot topic to even bring up during the era of COVID. But let's focus on the original thought on masks. You know, kids love to dress up as Superman, Batman, Cinderella, Wonder Woman, the new Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, the Incredible Hulk. Face it, it's just fun to pretend to be something that you know you're not in real life. However, pretending to be something or someone should never be a way of life, especially in the church. The Bible has a word for such activity, hypocrisy. Defined in the New Testament, the word hypocrisy is anopakritas, meaning undisguised or sincere or genuine. In Romans 12:9, Paul tells us to love without hypocrisy. Let your love be undisguised. Let your love be sincere. Let your love be genuine. Today, I want to focus on hypocrisy and that we all should be undisguised. We should be maskless. To better understand this word, think of a Shakespearean actor playing many parts. Masks were worn to depict different characters. The mask was worn so the audience would know which character was speaking, while fine for a stage play on Broadway, not fine for everyday life or for fellowship in the church. We often wear masks so no one will see the real me. After all, if you knew the real me, you wouldn't like me. So I'll just wear this mask to protect myself from rejection and the heartache that I know will come. I don't like to use the word hypocrisy this way, but this is the essence of that word pretending to be something that we are not. We're not being genuine. We're not being sincere. In reality, all we're doing is playing games. So today, my message has another acrostic, masks, M-A-S-K-S. So during this time, we're going to discover the masks that we wear and make a sincere commitment to removing them. All right, M stands for meeting. Meeting. We must be connected to one another relationally, socially, emotionally, and spiritually, and this is best done in the context of a small group experience. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23-25 through 25 tells us, "'Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful.'" And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In this first passage, focus on what the writer says at the very beginning, holding fast without wavering. Right off the bat, this tells me that it is not going to be easy. I have to put forth an effort. It may be easy to confess faith in Jesus, but extremely difficult to do that when life gets hard. There's a real possibility that I just might give up. The next thing I find here is the writer tells me that Christianity is relational because he says to stimulate or encourage one another to love and good deeds. It can be possible to just sit back and never demonstrate our love for one another. Remember that love is more of a verb than it is a noun. Love is not just that warm, fuzzy feeling we get when that certain someone walks into the room. Love must be demonstrated to the one who is loved. I call this first step meeting because there's no way for any of us to live out the many one another passages in the New Testament without being involved with the community of faith. We must get together in small groups, because let's face it, how do we love one another, encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, confess to one another, be at peace with one another, accept one another, be kind and forgiving to one another. How do we tolerate one another, serve one another, greet one another, be devoted to one another, be subject to one another, be humble toward one another without being in close proximity in a nurturing relational environment? How can you do any of this by just showing up at worship in the sanctuary and staring at the back of someone else's head for an hour. This challenge is to get involved in the lives of other followers of Jesus, and we do this through the small group experience. Notice that even in the first century, people started to forsake getting together. Now, granted, they may have been fear of persecution. The fact is that People isolated themselves from each other, and that is not how God intends for us to live as Christians. So, the M stands for meeting. The A stands for accountability. We must be connected to other followers of Jesus who hold us accountable for our spiritual life, how we relate in our marriage, how we walk through life with integrity, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7 through seven tell us this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that it is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. "'Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. "'No soldier in active service entangles himself "'in the affairs of everyday life, "'so that he may please the one "'who enlisted him as a soldier. "'Also if anyone competes as an athlete, "'he does not win the prize "'unless he competes according to the rules. "'The hard-working farmer ought to be the first "'to receive his share of the crops.' Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul is telling Timothy about this vision of discipleship. First, he was to be in relationship with Paul, and the stuff that he had heard and learned from Paul, he was going to teach that to faithful men who would in turn teach others. In this passage, we see four generations listed. Think about who invested their life into you, and then think about the person into whom you are investing your life. Paul also says here to suffer hardship with me. That's relational. He also said that a good soldier does not get entangled in the affairs of everyday life, but seeks to please the one who enlisted him. So what is it that pleases Jesus? I dare say it would be obedience and walking in the truth. It's living out what the Bible says. It's finding where God is at work and joining Him there. This goes way beyond just showing up at church at 11 o'clock each Sunday. Paul also uses the illustrations of an athlete and a hard working farmer. An athlete cannot win the contest if he does not play by the rules. Therefore, All athletes know the rules so that they will effectively run the race with confidence. Regarding the hardworking farmer, this tells me that following Jesus may be a lot of hard work. We don't just come to faith by simply praying a prayer, filling out a membership card, getting baptized. It's like a one and done transaction. We're called to live out our Christian faith before the eyes of a watching world. It takes intentional and continuous effort. The good part is that we don't have to do any of this on our own. The Spirit of God leads us and guides us in the way that we should walk. So how do we know what to do? I dare say, read the owner's manual. He's not made any of this secret. He's actually written it down for us. The accountability I mention here is simply a statement that we are a part of a community of faith and there is strength and safety in numbers. We help each other on this journey of faith, providing encouragement, challenge, and compassion. We meet together in small groups because that's the right thing to do and it provides the accountability we need to strengthen our faith And to grow in our commitment to Jesus. So accountability is so important. The first S is for sacrifice. We know it will cost us something to live out our Christian faith. We live out our faith inside the church and outside in the community. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, tells us. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what profit is a man that he gains the whole world, yet forfeits himself or his own soul? If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus... He gives us the bottom line in this passage. We cannot pick and choose what Bible passages we like and those we will choose to avoid. Check out what Jesus says in this passage. First, he says to deny yourself. Now, that goes against everything that this world teaches us about life and happiness This may very well be the the most difficult thing a disciple does in this life. The focus of this Jesus life is no longer on yourself, but on other people and how you interact with them in Jesus name. The second thing he says here is to take up your cross. The cross was an instrument of death. So we are reminded that each day, remember Luke says that we're supposed to, to take up our cross daily. We're reminded that we're supposed to be put to death with Christ and then we're supposed to be raised to walk in newness of life. That means we live differently than we did before we were saved. The third thing he mentioned here is to follow me. Jesus left us an example to follow. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21, for you have been called for this purpose Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. So what could be more clearer than this? The Bible is crystal clear on what he wants us to do. We are destined to live a life of sacrifice, following the example of Jesus. Now, K is for knowledge. We must seek to know all that we can about living faithfully as a member of the body of Christ, rather than believing that old saying, ignorance is bliss. 2 Peter 3, verses 17 and 18 tell us, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand... Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter reminds us to know ahead of time to be on your guard Don't let obedience and walking in faith catch you by surprise. He tells us the remedy of casual Christianity is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I dare say that spiritual growth is not an option. I dare say that Bible study is not optional. We will never live a victorious Christian life when we're ignorant of what God expects of us. We have a new purpose to live out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We have a mission to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ. James tells us that we must demonstrate our faith when we put our words into action. These actions don't save us because we're saved by grace through faith alone— But how can we say that we're saved if we don't do these works or these actions that demonstrate our faith? Grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. The final S is for salvation. We must embrace the fact that when we're saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, we now have a responsibility to act on that faith or to live it out in front of a lost and dying world. Because we're saved, our purpose in life has changed from simply trying to meet those basic bodily functions of of food and shelter and pleasure and procreation to surrendering to the resurrected Lord in obedience. A lot of people talk about the meaning of salvation, but how many people talk about what it takes to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus? It's easy to be saved. First, we admit that we're a sinner. It's hard for a person to be found if he doesn't know that he's lost. So admitting our need really is the first step. But then Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 tell us that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. What could be easier than that? Say a few words and believe in the resurrection? It's like magic. The transaction is done. You're saved and on your way to heaven. But... Since knowledge is also on our to-do list, what else do we read in the Bible that would challenge us to do more than just admit, believe, and confess? Well, how about a few verses like this? How about Matthew seven twenty-four? It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to the wise man who built his house on the rock. Luke chapter 6 verse 46 tells us, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? John 14:15 says, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." And First John two verse three reminds us that by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments." He goes on to say in 1 John 2, 4, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Okay, this is just a sample list of what the Bible tells us about the Christian faith. We are expected to walk in obedience to the commands of Christ. Do you now see How following Jesus is much more than just the foundational admit, believe, and confess. Following Jesus is a life commitment. My life changed the day I said yes to his invitation to salvation. Okay, so let's wrap this up. What are your next steps? Let's ask ourselves some questions. The first is this. Are you regularly meeting with other believers for the purpose of spiritual growth? Next question. Are you accountable to other believers to help you grow in your faith? And is there someone accountable to you into whom you're investing your life? Number three. Where do you draw the line when it comes to sacrifice? Or have you ever handed God a blank check of your life? Are you able to sing those words to those familiar songs like, wherever he leads, I'll go and really mean it. Or perhaps to sing, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. That song's called, I Surrender All. I was saved when I was in high school and I was singing this song at the end of a church service and I realized even though I had been a part of the church for the previous 12 months, I said, I have never done that. I had to nail it down in, in order to sing those words. These are bold statements of intentional faith and surrender do you really mean those words when you sing them? Number four, how is your knowledge about God and the Bible? And what is your plan to increase in that knowledge? Remember that we cannot live in ignorance because we know that ignorance really is not bliss. And then number five, how about your salvation? Do you know what salvation is all about? Have you taken that step of faith and committed your life to Jesus? How about taking steps of faith in baptism or in church membership? Maybe today is the day you nail it down. We're ready to talk to you about this life-changing decision. So what masks are you wearing? Maybe it's time to recognize that you've been wearing a mask. That's a great first step. Maybe it's time to remove that mask and doing so may be scary at first, but getting to know other believers on a heart level is so worth the risk. Let's give this time to God and pray about it. Bow your heads. Father, this time is yours. Help us to take a sober self-assessment of our lives and commitments to you. Convict us of where we're falling short. Encourage us when life gets hard. Walk with us as we seek to bring honor and glory to your name. This time is yours. Speak to us as we look over our own walk with Christ. Give us the courage to remove the masks that we hide behind. Give us the strength to live authentically with integrity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me here today. Uh, During our outdoor service, we have a fall church picnic that's going to take place right now. Let me challenge you to take advantage of that fellowship opportunity that you have right after this service. Come and join us. The fall church picnic happens Not too often, but today is a great day to do that. I hope you'll remove the mask and get to know someone today, either someone that you don't know at all or someone you really want to get to know better. Share your story. Open up to someone this afternoon. Take a risk. Share with another person a prayer concern that you have and intentionally pray for the concerns that you discover from that other person Let's commit to removing the masks that we hide behind so that we can love one another without hypocrisy. Thank you for joining us online as well. We're so uh, thankful that you joined us. If you have any uh, questions, certainly contact us at the church. We want to help you on your journey of faith. And so for right now, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you on campus next week. Ken will be back to conclude his series on The Mind Matters. And uh, we look forward to getting together next week. Thank you for joining us. Love you a lot. We hope to see you soon.